Good morning. And Burr, it's cold out there this morning. But so thankful for the moisture that we've received from God. This morning, for just a few minutes, I would like to talk about walking worthy of our calling. The most important goal we can have in life is to please God. And we're reminded of the popular verse in Ecclesiastes 12, 13 that tells us, uh, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. So we receive God's blessings by his grace and mercy and through our faith. <clears throat> it's not by our works or by our merits, as Ephesians 2, 8 tells us, nor do we receive, we receive salvation and become a follower of Christ based on how good we are or on account of how much work we do for him. Uh, or as verse 9 says, lest anyone should boast. But however, having received God's eternal blessings by his grace and mercy, we might ask, what's next? We just fold our arms up and do nothing? Or worse than that, should we go on sinning so that God's grace toward us will increase? Absolutely not. We look at Romans, 1, uh, Romans 6, 1 and 2, and it says... What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we, how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? You know, God is supreme and he is the creator of, of all. And we are his children. We must maintain a fear and reverence for him by obeying his word. The scriptures are full of blessings uh, as well as commands that we should follow. We cannot pick or choose what to accept or what to ignore. Uh, Jesus himself said, if you love me, keep my commandments. In John 14 and 15. And in the words of the Apostle John, uh, this is love for God, that you keep his commands and his commands are not burdensome. That's from 1 John 5 and 3. So the more we understand God's love for us, the more we should be motivated to obey him to be, to be obedient to him. These actions will help us build a relationship with him, and therefore, as recipients of God's grace and mercy, and in response to his love and his bountiful blessings to us, we should walk in a manner worthy of our calling. Paul urges Christians to walk worthy of their calling. Um, in, in this phrase, and in this phrase, it implies uh, living a life that honors God and displays His glory. The Apostle Paul uses this phrase three times in the letters he wrote to the Ephesians, Colossians, and Thessalonians. So it must have been important to him. <clears throat> and in these passages, he urges us to walk in a manner worthy of his calling, worthy of the calling. In both Colossians and Ephesians, Paul points out <clears throat> several attributes that we um, that we could contribute to walking worthily, uh, and uh, and that and it and it's that we should conduct ourselves with humility, gentleness, patience, love, and unity as a proof of our faith in God and Christ. So let's take a look at these passages now in Colossians one uh, verses nine through fourteen. It says, "For this reason." We also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you 
and to ask you that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and longsuffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into a kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood and the forgiveness of sins. And then in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verses 1 through 3, it says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in bond of peace. Doesn't these first two texts remind you a lot of another text in Galatians 5 where it talks about the fruits of the Spirit, such as love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control? I think if we apply these attributes in our life, we can walk worthy of, his, of our calling. In the third text, it is found in 1 Thessalonians 2, verses 10 through 12, where Paul is speaking to the Thessalonians and was challenging them that their conduct might be... He was, Paul was, to the Thessalonians, was challenging them that their conduct might be as his was, knowing that God will test their hearts. And it says, You are witnesses, and God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved, our, <clears throat> we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father does his own children, that you walk worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So we can see here from these three passages uh, from Paul's letters that walking worthy is tied to several characteristics we should continually work at. The first being um, being fruitful in every good work, meaning to have an act of obedience to God in His Word. The fruit being the product of our efforts guided by our thoughts and will, which has been trained through His Word. In a Christian's life, we see the two elements work in combination. All good works will bear fruit, meaning that the result of our actions shows the working of God's Spirit within us. Secondly, our pursuit of pleasing the Lord in everything we do, meaning we walk every day with a view toward pleasing Christ, putting Christ first. The idea of being spiritually minded, to be focused on the matters of God, the idea of ha uh, to have a fear and respect for who God is. To make sacrifices for the Lord. Meaning we might need to give up on things that would interfere with seeking God first. It means putting others first. <clears throat> it means putting others' needs ahead of our needs. Assisting brethren in need. And that we pray, and that we pray often and regularly to Him. Third, 
steadily increasing in the knowledge of God, meaning that we're searching the Scriptures daily, that we're reading from His Word regularly, that we're here at church learning from the classes that are taught and the preaching that is provided. Fourth, using God's Word to joyfully endure and patiently persevere. And why? Because we understand that even though we might suffer trials of various kinds in this life, and that our faith will be tested, God promised us through Christ His Son a forgiveness of sins and eternal life. Fifth, that we continually receive God's strength, meaning that we don't rely on our own strength, but look to God. Paul said in Philippians 4.13 that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Where does that strength come from? It comes from His inspired Word and our faith and knowledge of His Word. And the sixth point, giving thanks to the Father for what He has done. God being the one who has allowed us to be partakers of His inheritance through His grace and mercy has delivered us out of darkness and again provided a way into salvation through His Son and our Redeemer. So now let's take a little closer look at the meaning of the two words, walking worthy. You know, walking worthy is an essential concept that is necessary in all aspects of our life, whether it be a personal, in personal relationships, professional careers, or in our spiritual growth. Walking worthy refers to the idea of living with integrity, purpose, and honor through aligning our actions with our values and beliefs. It refers to the idea of taking responsibility for our actions, treating others with respect and compassion, and striving to make a positive impact on the world around us. In a nutshell, how we conduct our lives as a whole. Does our conduct reflect His Word? Are we pleasing God according to His Word? Paul's instructions, <clears throat> instruction in these letters to walk worthy of our calling was Paul's way of exhorting believers to live their lives so as to prove they belong to Christ. It's to prove that we, that we demonstrate a state of being faithful and, and have a loyalty to Christ, that we stay true to His Word, that we display the fruits of the Spirit, which we see in Galatians 5:22 and 23, which we spoke of earlier, and finally, that our daily lives reflect the character of Christ. In John 14, 15, and 17, Jesus tells us, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I, will, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of the truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. You know, it's very interesting in this, in these verses, we, saw the, we see the Trinity of God, that being the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Christ here was speaking, um, Christ speaking here said He would pray to His Father that He would provide another helper, that helper being the Spirit of Truth, or Holy Spirit, or we could think of as His Word, which guides us in all truth. Next, let us walk worthy in that we are not ashamed of the gospel, but that we share it with others. If we look at 2 Timothy 1, 8-9, he tells us uh, we have been called with a holy calling, 
And it reads, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. So finally, to walk worthy is to be a called out people. Let's look at a few examples. We have been called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. 1 Peter 2, 9 tells us, But as you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim, proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You know, the beginning of the verse identifies us as God's very own, those who would serve him, believers who are transformed by his word, and a people who are set apart for his use. And the idea being that we might show others the goodness of God. And then as the verse continues, we see that declaring God's greatness is one reason for our very existence. When we praise him, we fulfill our purpose. He has called us out of the darkness of a meaningless life and in, and in eternity apart from him and into a wonderful and a marvelous light. In 2 Corinthians 4 and 6, he tells us, For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. And I believe that is a reference back to creation. But goes on to say, Who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ? Meaning he brings light into our hearts. How? Through Christ, his son, and through his inspired word. But we have to be willing to accept it. We have been, secondly, we have been called out of slavery to sin, to be slaves of righteousness. All of the sixth chapter of Romans teaches that as Christians, we should not continue in sin, but that as we are baptized into Christ's death, we should now walk in a newness of life. The idea, be, the idea being dead to sin and alive to God. But then starting in verses 15 through 18, Paul talks about <clears throat> how we are slaves, but to water to whom? Well, let's read from Romans 6, 15 and 18. 15 through 18, it says, What then shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey? whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from, your, from, you obeyed from the hearts that form of a doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. So clearly Paul's theme here in these verses is on slavery and the idea being what will we be a slave to do we obey sin or God those are our two options but then in 17 Paul is thankful for the Roman believers who obeyed that form of doctrine which form meaning a pattern or type of example type or example 
the gospel, the gospel message being that pattern. <laughs> and secondly, I think also the idea of slavery implies there's a master, one who rules over you. So we can choose, will the world be our master or will God be our master? Christ tells us on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You know, if we have the knowledge of God's word in our heart, we will naturally walk worthy and therefore despise the things of the world. It's important that we maintain our relationship with God and that our calling is reflected in our daily lives as we rely on His divine power and wisdom to walk worthy. And I'll end with these words from 2 Timothy 2.15 which says, To be diligent to present yourselves approved of God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed but rightly dividing the word of truth. So, may we always walk worthy of his calling.